0: Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Tuesday. I was almost going to do that
1: with an Australian accent.
0: Oh. oh. Hello, everybody. Oh. It's I, really I bad. I can't do it. I apologize. I'm Linda, and I'm I don't Drew. have an Australian accent. I'm
1: Drew from the Atbeck.
0: This is at home. <laughs> yeah, this is terrible. <laughs> Let's do the whole show like this. Kidding. No,
1: no, that would be painful. And
0: bye. <laughs> This is At Home, a show where we chat with artists, experts, leaders, dreamers, and doers on the impact they're creating in the world, starting here at home.
1: And this is our chance to learn more about our relationships with ourselves, our communities, and the planet. Because we truly believe that any difference we want to make out there in the world, it really does start right here, where we are, with ourselves, at home.
0: (laughs) home. With food. Always Uh, with food.
1: Guys, food is our life. Pizza. Food
0: is life. Pizza is life. I think I had pizza for breakfast today.
1: I had pizza for I had pizza for breakfast and dinner.
0: Cold, spicy, yeah. Homemade. You know what? You know how they talk about they talk about
1: who are they? You and me?
0: You know, the gods. (laughs) They talk about bookending your days with rituals and things that keep you in check. For us, that's pizza.
1: Maybe we should have some for a midnight snack tonight. But all food. I, I mean, already brushed. I will admit, though, I mean, I love pizza, but sometimes I do feel a little heavy afterwards. So it is so interesting to me, the magic of food and how it affects your body. It affects your mood, your energy, everything.
0: You know that feeling when you eat something really good and you want to jump up and down like a baby in a jelly Jumper? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel when I eat really good food. Yesterday... Um, I ordered um, food, I ordered a takeout. And when I was ordering, I was like, oh, this looks so like bland and healthy and blah. Maybe I'll add like real thick garlic toast to it. And like I was really ready to supplement with a slice of pizza because I was like, hey, I want to eat healthy, but I wanted to add a side of pizza. Anyway. The salad we got was so good. It was delicious. I don't know what made it so amazing, but I literally inhaled it. It was
1: the secret sauce, whatever it was. But actually, I'm not a saucy kind of guy. I, I just like food. There wasn't food.
0: that much sauce no, in there it. No, there
1: wasn't in that. No, I just like the, the raw food. I mean, a little balsamic or something, but
0: balsamic. I just
1: love the raw taste of whatever it is that I'm, I'm Oh my taking.
0: gosh. So the other night <laughs> we were having dinner and Drew, there was a a bowl of just just plain spinach. We hadn't even like made it into like a salad yet.
1: But there are, there are a couple of other things on the table that were sort of really delicious dishes.
0: And somehow the spinach already ended up on your plate, like without it. Yeah, I was still making the salad or we were still making the salad. And she was like... Oh, the spinach! It's so good. Pass me that spinach again. That was so delicious. When I
1: was like, "Oh, guys, this is delicious." Pass the me. Best. <laughs> uh, they thought I was gonna. I was asking for the other dishes, but no, I just wanted the spinach. Just the Nothing plain plain on it. Old spinach. And we have on our All right, Popeye. On our lettuce farm, <laughs> our lettuce grow farm stand. We have so many delicious. This, the sugar snap peas. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, I could live on those. I want to sleep on a pillow of those and just nibble while I sleep.
0: We're not just rambling on about food for no reason even though linda would yeah we do that all the time but uh, today we have an amazing chef on the show chef kwame on
1: so kwame is a james beard award winning chef and that's the food industry's highest honor amazing award to win he was a contestant on season 13 of top chef and he has an amazing book if you want to check it out notes from a young black chef
0: and we'll include that link in our show notes all right. The list goes on because he has accomplished so much. He was named one of the top new chefs in 2019. Well, 2019 was a big year for him mm-hmm. uh, by Food and Wine Magazine. And most recently, like just a few days ago, um, he has joined Food and Wine in a new role as executive producer.
1: Well, I'll be honest. I'm most excited to have him on at home because I want him to slip us some of his famous recipes, <laughs> give me some pointers for a presentation. I really need that.
0: I mean, your food Tastes good. Thank you. It doesn't get any brownie points for looking good. But I mean, it's all going in the same place anyway.
1: Well, there's (laughs) lots that Kwame can help me with. And I also like that he talks about the impact of representation and the moment he felt seen.
0: And how food brings us all to the table and from there, conversations can be had. His journey, his entire outlook from growing up in the Bronx to becoming this award-winning chef... It all illustrates how one can truly transform their life.
1: Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security.
0: I mean, what are they going to do next? They're going to start a country singing career.
1: I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your
0: Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks.
1: (laughs) My security system with Google Nest speakers and displays.
0: And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started.
1: Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google.
0: Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer.
1: Let's get into our chat with Kwame and Wachi to hear how it all started.
2: It it all started in the Bronx. My mom had a catering company that she operated out of the Bronx, out of our uh, apartment in the Bronx. Um, And me and my sister were put to work. But my family was like, they've always been surrounded by like like food was the constant in my family on both sides, on my father's side and my mother's side. Um I come from a long line of restaurateurs. So my grandmother had a restaurant in the South, my great grandmother had a restaurant in the south. uh, and, And it was more out of necessity, you know, because of Jim Crow and you know segregation and things like that. We we couldn't go out to all restaurants without being harassed. So we created our own um, communities in our microcosm. And um, yeah, I mean, that trickled down to my mom which trickled down to me. So I started at five years old, you know, chopping vegetables, peeling shrimp, stirring roux. It it beat doing laundry, so I was down with it. And um, that turned into a passion, which later on turned into a career.
0: Yeah, but when you say it trickled down, you know, to your mom and then to you, it wasn't a straight trickle down to you. Because you have had such a breadth of experiences in your, you know, young years still. I guess let's rewind and, mm-hmm. you know, unpack that. How did you get from being that five-year-old sous chef to your mom to, um, you know, having Keith and Kin and everything you're doing now? Like,
2: You know, it was, it was like, it, that's a great point. It was a journey um, and I had to pick up small pieces along the way in order to reach, you um, where I'm at today you know I needed ambition I needed determination I needed passion I needed creativity um and all those things don't come at once Mm -hmm. but I think it was my journey and the journey is the reward for me you know like when I was uh 10 years old my mother sent me to Nigeria um she told me I was going on a two-week vacation and that that was not the truth at all it was actually (laughs) a punishment um it was to teach me what I you know have to appreciate here in America but I was there for two years, and in those two years, I learned to really appreciate food in general and in its basic form. You know, we had to cultivate our own vegetables, we had to raise our own livestock. Um, so I learned to really appreciate the ingredients a lot, and that was something that I took up along the way. And then, you know, when I came back, I um, years later, I started my own catering company, and then I learned, you know, ambition and 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 entrepreneurialism and Doing things myself and doing whatever it takes, and you know, you all know that nothing is a linear path. You have months that are better than others, and it's not about just balancing that checkbook. It's also continuing to lead with your passion because the money will come eventually, and you know, the continuation of gaining those skills will come, and they all meet together. And when you're prepared for that opportunity, that's when that beautiful, you know, stuff. That's when the beauty happens and the magic Mm -hmm. happens. So. It, um, it was a journey to a point where it actually turned into a career that I wanted to do. I, I'll be honest, you know, seeing my mother growing up and struggling, I never thought of cooking as a career that I wanted to, to take. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily for me, she wanted to see me do better than, than herself. So she guided me in the ways that she wished she would have been guided, you know, pushing mm-hmm. me to go to the CIA, making sure that I stuck in, in the restaurant industry for a little bit um, until I, you know, got the basic knowledge until I, it's, until I was able to do the things on my own, I was I mm-hmm. had that solid foundation because of her. Mm-hmm.
1: When you say she sent you to the CIA or <laughs> encouraged you, me. it's like oh espionage, <laughs> yeah Langley, secret agent
2: we went to uh, Langley.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the more delicious CIA. <laughs> um, <laughs> your parents uh, when you were growing up, how did they influence you to become who you are and have that drive that you have?
2: Um, I mean, my mother influenced me for sure with um, her her being an entrepreneur and a mother at the same time in the 90s in new york city you know with one crazy kid and another kid that was vastly um she was perfect in comparison to me but um seeing seeing her do that whenever i thought i was having it hard i would say like okay i don't have any kids right now (laughs) you know like i'm not tied down to like making sure that i'm providing for you know, two mouths. Here I am, on my own. I can get through this. I can, I can power through. And I take a lot of, I get a lot of inspiration from thinking of, thinking about how she provided for us, being alone, in in in, in uncertain times. And my father was a perfectionist, so, so putting those two things together, um, I think it it definitely shaped me into the man that I am today. But but also my environment. You know, growing up in the Bronx, growing up in New York City, growing up in Nigeria, having to fend for myself, having to figure things out um, it, it, it lent to the way that I view things to this day. I have such an appreciation for what my parents did for me. You know, at the time I, I I was kicking and screaming, you know, going, going to Nigeria and I didn't understand, um, a lot of things that they did, but now I do, you know, it was, it was their love that shined through, you know, it wasn't about making a friend. It was about making a, a great addition to this world. And, I think that I don't think I I don't think that I would be you know sitting here if it wasn't for the things that, that they that they did and the sacrifices that they made in order to make sure that I came out the way that I did.
1: With your home in the US as opposed to um you know where you were in in, in Nigeria, can you tell talk a little bit about the differences and what you saw and even as a young kid how that really opened up your eyes um and, and again too when you came back it it sounds like you didn't change that much. And in fact, you came back with some resentment and got into some worse situations.
0: Well, I wanna know how bad were you to have your mom send you off for two years?
2: <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a normal threat in, in the West African household is to send you back to Nigeria or back to Ghana or, mm. or wherever, wherever your family still is to show you that like you have it pretty good here. You know, like don't take for granted the simple things like running water, electricity, conditioned air, mm. um, being able to wash your clothes on a drop of a dime, you know, being able to go to the fridge and get whatever you want. Like these things are a luxury for most of the planet. And we don't see that, especially as Americans. Um, We're very, very fortunate. We have the infrastructure to support all of that. And it was, you know, it was, I know it's cliche, but it was a culture shock, you know, going from doing PlayStation to doing your homework by Kerosene lamp, Mm. it will straighten you out. and I came back with resentment because I felt like I had also now gone through something that no, not many people have gone through. So I survived in that environment, too. It was another notch on my belt. Um, so it, it initially was like, oh, man, he didn't change. But then when I became an adult and I was around other adults and I could see clearly their misconceptions of the world or their, um, I can see... How they felt entitled to certain things, and they haven't lived in another part of the world where, like, you are doing fine. You have made it <laughs> to so many people in this world. Then they weren't also taking in the, the opportunities that were presented. Mm-hmm. I, it, it was like very, very apparent that that was a life changing trip for me.
1: First time you saw your mom when you came back, you're face to face with your mom who sent you away, which you know you you say said it felt like a betrayal almost. What was your interaction with her? And at that point, knowing that she is a chef and this is sort of your, your family has this line of chefs, is that at that point, were you like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You betrayed me. I don't want to have to do any, anything with the family. Um food industry. I want to go do my own thing. Um, what was your reaction?
2: No, I was excited to see her. I was 12 years old. So I was just excited to see my mom. You know, um, I understood why she did it. I, I, I was, I was not oblivious to the point that I was a bad kid. So Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I understood that I was, you know, I was always in trouble. I was always, you know, in the principal's office getting, so like I understood why I was out there. I didn't like it, but I understood why. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's that's not it I mean I, I didn't have I don't know any 12 year old that knows exactly what they want to do in their life mm-hmm. so it was it was more like that's still it's fun to do but I, I'm I never saw myself becoming a chef. i always had a very very keen interest in it um but it wasn't until like I became an adult you know 19 20 years old I was on my own and had to make money for myself and I was like, well, I know how to cook so I went into that job force
0: but then when you came back, you do talk about going you know, reverting back to your old ways. Was it mm-hmm. after this? Um, cause you were still very young at that point. Was it after this, you got involved in a gang?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was also a product of my environment, you know, my environment lent to lend, uh, lended itself to that, you know, growing mm. up in the South Bronx and also trying to make it in that environment as well, you know, trying to assimilate and, mm. and push through. I didn't see, uh, uh, you just selling a weed fairy or- tale ending. I was selling weed and, and other things as well, but my, my main thing was weed, but um, it was, I didn't see a fairy tale ending. I didn't know anybody that had any success mm-hmm. stories doing this. Yeah. So I, and I didn't see it as really obtaining uh, a job skill. You know, I wasn't cultivating the weed. I was just purchasing from one person and selling. So mm. it was teaching me business for sure and business management in a sense. <laughs> but um, but I was getting sucked into something that it wasn't me. It wasn't who I who I really was. And it wasn't really until I removed myself from my environment. You know, I moved, uh, my mother got a job in Louisiana as an executive chef. And when I graduated, um, when I was in college, I, I dropped out of college. I went down there because I was like, mm. I need to get away from everybody to find out who I am. And that definitely helped shape me um, mm-hmm. as well and put me on on a, on, a, on a more linear path.
1: So with that journey to you and following your passion, I mean, it's amazing how you created opportunity for yourself as well, how you, and you had the support of, of your mom and, and your family to go to culinary school, but also seeing you know some kid making money with candy on the train and you're like, I can do that. And then the next mm-hmm. day you're doing that and you're making 20 grand uh, in no time.
0: I was trying to do the math. I'm not great at math. How do you make 20k selling candy? At you do 8-hour
2: shifts. <laughs> you you don't you don't just do little stints. You you go in there and you work. I, I saw how much they were making in that small period of time and I, I saw they only did a couple hours. So I did a full I quit my job and I did that full time. Hmm. And I was able to save up a lot of money and and I diversified my offerings. So I had, I had gum, I had nuts, I had Nutrigrain bars, I had Teddy Grahams, I had candy. If I walked past you, there was something you were craving that I had.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and so how did that work? To, was there a, did you have to get some sort of a permit to do that? Or you were just sort of like, hey, hey, under the jacket, like you want some Nutrigrain I got some It Nutri-Grain. was like, I
2: had a big trench coat and it was all <laughs> like all <laughs> stuck <up>. to it. <laughs> No, there, there's no permit. It, it's actually a crime. Um, But Mm. most police officers don't really pay attention to that. There's like bigger things to worry about. But I did have to watch out for them. If I saw a police officer on the train, I would just get off the train. And I remember one of the turning points was seeing Obama walk across the stage and um, accept his, you know, position as president of the United States at his inauguration. And for me, that was that was the huge turning point because I never thought I would see a, a black president in my lifetime. You know, at, at that point in time, maybe 40 years before we, black people can eat in the same restaurants as white people. So I, I was just like, it's it's we need more time before that happens and I still voted for him and once I saw him achieve that I was just like this man just achieved the highest office in the world Mm. and what am I doing with my life right now? You know, I can be doing so much more. I can do anything that I put my mind to. I can manifest anything that I put my mind to and I flushed everything down the toilet and Mm. moved to Louisiana and started cooking.
0: You know, you talk about what Obama meant to you and how that was a turning point. Can you talk about how representation matters you know what that meant for you you mentioned but now now that you're in a position where you can influence youth or or anyone who's having a hard time um you know what it means for you to be able to represent um what they hope to become
2: yeah um representation matters because it, it gives people hope it gives people a light it gives people a light at the end of the tunnel it gives people something to aspire to um when you can see yourself visually rep- represented in something, it is an extension of you. So, it just just with that, you know, sentence, I think it, it sums up that like how important it is to to see yourself reflected in the media, see yourself reflected in literature, see yourself reflected in 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 anything, you know, um, so that you know that it's achievable. And with the absence of that, it makes it seem like. You are going to be the first, <laughs> and that's an incredible artist's task to right. take on as a person to be the first to do something because then you are tasked with being the face and thinking about how other people are looking at you and putting that before your own um, your own happiness. so mm. so yeah, I think representation is, is such a it's it's a huge it's a key factor in in growth and leveling the playing field for all. yeah, yeah.
0: and I, I think you do such a great job in in representing anyone you know who wants to go after anything um, at the same time you've also given many people a voice and, and space to talk about mistakes they've made in the past have you always been open in discussing your failures
2: yeah I've been a been an open book for a long time you know I think it's I think it also brings in like this real human aspect because you know life life is not this linear path it is it, it's a roller coaster you know you have ups you have downs and when you um, when you portray yourself as just the cinderella story it it also becomes on un- unattainable it's mm-hmm. like well i've you know i've had mistakes and this person hasn't had any mistakes so when you share that with someone i think it also lets people know that it's okay to fail it's just it's it's just not okay to not continue You know, like you got to You always have to just keep keep going, keep pushing, keep trying, Mm -hmm. going into the same failure with the same enthusiasm, you know, going into different projects with the same enthusiasm, no matter if you failed or succeeded in, in your past endeavor. It's 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 always about continuing moving forward.
1: Can you maybe talk a little bit more, too, about how you you actually paved your own path in a different way, because the way you just started your own restaurant and then the way you started a second restaurant. Um, instead of sticking with a traditional path? I mean,
2: I think people forget that like everyone has their own life and you cannot mimic someone else's path or plan and and expect the same results because they are their own person. You know, there's a great saying that I love that, you know, man plans and God laughs. So like you can plan your life all you want, <laughs> but there are, are variables that are going to come um that, that that are that are going to come into that and, and alter the, the, um, the outcome of whatever you were planning. So I try not to, and it's hard, it's such a hard thing. I try not to measure my success by other people. I try not to like you know, for example everyone's like you need to you know, buy instead of rent and I'm like well I like to just like update my car easily so like I don't want to buy it and same thing with the home. I like to move around a lot so like I like to see new things and it's like that that I know that's like a small snapshot, but it can you can get in your head mm-hmm. for uh, what brings other people happiness or what other people think is right, but that may not work for you. Just like I may like this whimsical shirt, you may never want to put this on, but it works for me. <laughs> and the striped shirt works for you. And we need to look at life that way. It's your choice. What you put mm-hmm. on every day is your choice. How you live your life every day is your choice. And it's it's easier said than done, but you got to stick stick with your guns and you got to bet on yourself more than you bet on other people.
1: I do really love how you say that too, because we've talked about looking at people who are role models or setting an example of something that can be done, not Mm -hmm. wanting to emulate them exactly. They're just giving you inspiration to go after your passion because your outcome will be completely different, even if you're on that similar path. Exactly. Exactly. And
0: I would wear that shirt.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually wearing Drew's shirt
2: right now. <laughs> so, it looks so- good. You know, I'm not special um, by any means. I think everyone has the power to manifest what they want, but are they going to take those steps or the opportunities that are in front of them? You know, or are they going to be able to take a step back in order to take a giant leap forward? Are they are there, are they going to think about time um, as more important? Are they, they going to think that time is more important their goals because time is something that's been made up right it's it's not really it's something that's used as a measurement but as long as you achieve what you're doing you're 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 in the right direction so for me it's always like i'm just trying to do better than i was doing yesterday i'm trying Mm -hmm. to do just a little bit better than i was doing yesterday and then when you look back then it's like oh wow i didn't know i can go that far in 10 years i didn't know i can go Mm -hmm. that far in, in one year but it's always about trying to like do a little bit better and seizing those opportunities, sometimes you're ready for them, sometimes you're not, but they've been presented to you. And are you going to mm-hmm. like boss up and and figure it out as you go? Or are you going to pass on it because you feel you're not ready? Obviously, okay. something thought you were ready to present that uh, opportunity to you. And it's important right. to, to take that. And that's all that I do. I just take these opportunities and I take them extremely serious.
1: With your your mom being an executive chef herself, and you, you know you've had several chefs in the family, so what's your family's outlook now that you've had this great success in the road that you've taken? What's your mom has got to be proud of you?
2: <laughs> yeah, she's proud. She's very proud. Um, I think it's hard to encapsulate into words for most people, um, especially seeing my trajectory. Even for myself, it's it's a journey that is has gone and had its twists and turns more than I thought it would. And, um, it's, it's exciting to see where it is, but I also think it's still just the beginning. I still think I'm just starting out I feel like I have a lot more runway before I take off.
1: Oh yeah. And so actually talking about food, uh, and food in your culture, I mean, what, so how is it that you've learned to bring your heritage and culture into the kitchen? What's, So, what's your process and, and what have you learned? Is it, you know, with the ingredients that you're using or the way that you prep, what have you, ta- what have you learned from your mom as well that you incorporate, uh,
2: into your dishes? Um, you know my mom taught me how to season food that's that's pretty much it She taught me how to season food um, and put a lot of love into it I think I, I we gotta we got, I think we you know the way that I look at food I look at it as, a, as an art you know and it's a very uh, it's a like rolling creative process there's so mm-hmm. many influences that can be art it can be, The room service that I have one time at a hotel. It can be traveling. It can be a movie. It can be, you know, a photograph. There's so many things that can influence the way that I output, outpour my creativity. So I try to just be a sponge and just take everything in.
0: Can you let us in on, in your mind, what are some mental practices or rituals that, you know, go through your head whenever you're about to prep a meal?
2: I let it flow. It's like dancing for me. Cooking is like dancing. You know, you just, you just, I get loose. I normally um, play some music If I'm cooking at home or if I'm like doing research and development for a dish and I just let things flow. I, I, I um, you know, when like a writer is just like, they just write everything, everything that they're thinking It's the same thing. I think about food, you know, I'll, I'll try everything out, everything that I'm thinking, I'll try it out before I say, no, this isn't going to work. Mm. I'll try it first. And that's my that's my creative process. So you can actually
1: taste it—that creativity. You can taste it when it's done. And, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that you wanted to um, have a create a restaurant that, that represents America in every way. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the restaurant industry in, in the high end restaurant industry, it doesn't reflect America. Even you know the patrons, they 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 all look the same. There may be a couple people of color dotted in within that. Um, the people working in the restaurant a lot of people of color aren't working at these high-end restaurants and they aren't given the same opportunities and i want a restaurant that reflects america i want a restaurant that like everyone can go to celebrate their culture while celebrating a special a special experience you know mm-hmm. celebrate their culture while celebrating a special occasion and um that that's the kind of restaurant that that i want to open up
1: so from from the, the people that are working there, pouring their heart and soul into these dishes, to the dishes themselves, everything will have more of that sort of colorful beauty of everyone who's a part
2: of America. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's, there's, there's great food everywhere and it all needs to be celebrated.
1: So what we figure we would do though with you is now uh, we have a couple of sort of like uh, speed, speed, speed round questions we want to ask you. Let's do if it. If you're Ready. Do you need to am ready. i I'm I'm always ready. (laughs) When you stay stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Oh, bam. There we go. All right. So here we go. Favorite recipe of yours.
2: Favorite recipe of mine is brown stew chicken.
0: Favorite recipe from someone else.
2: My mother's gumbo. Favorite go-to meal. Or does it always change? Favorite go-to meal is chicken wings and pork fried rice from the Chinese store. Chinese restaurant. Oh, nice.
0: Most vivid food memory.
2: Most vivid food memory is eating curried goat and roti from my Trinidadian grandfather when I was like two years old. It's like this thin flatbread and like curried goat and potatoes and he put it in my mouth and it was like fireworks went off. It was crazy.
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, Favorite restaurant.
2: Favorite restaurant is... Asian American too in Washington, DC. <laughs> it's a Chinese takeout restaurant that I love to get my chicken wings and pork fried rice from. <laughs> hey,
1: I, we're going to try it next time in DC. There we go. We'll <laughs> and my mumbo sauce and the mumbo sauce on the
2: side. Mumbo Very good. Sauce. Nice. All
0: right. What meal or food experience made you fall in love with food?
2: Um, I would say probably making shrimp etouffee with my mom. It was like, it. I, when I first ate it, I didn't understand the texture, how velvety the sauce was, you know, how perfectly cooked the shrimp were, all the layers of flavor that was in there. And then we made it step by step. And I was like, okay, food Food is a contender for what I'm doing mm-hmm. for the rest of my life for sure. Nice. How old are you? <sighs> like eight years old, nine years old, something like that. Uh-huh.
1: So this one might be the same as what you just answered, but your your absolute favorite meal growing up.
2: It's it's honestly between. Oh, Fisherman's Pie. My mother used to make that for me on my birthday. It's like a seafood version of shepherd's pie. And it has Mm -hmm. like salmon, lobster, crawfish, shrimp, a nice bechamel sauce, like garlic with potatoes. Uh And then it's like brulee. And it's she used to make it for me on my birthday every year.
0: That's That's how you know you come from a food family. You get a pie for your birthday. I would get pumpkin pie. Every
1: every Thanksgiving, I get my own pumpkin pie. That was the one treat I would get. I got a few more.
0: Biggest recipe fail.
2: Biggest recipe fail. You know, I always think think about this one dish that I was so excited about. It was early on in my career, and I made lamb chops, and there was like a Cornell of rosemary ice cream on the side of it. And it was absolutely gross. I kind of want to like redo it again, but I was just like, when I did it, when it didn't taste good, I was just like, I should not do, I don't, I'm not worthy of continuing. And I was, I was that hard on myself. And I remember my mom being like, it's one dish. Just like, it's, get over it. Um, but yeah, that one. Well, oh if you
0: want to make it again, we volunteer.
2: Yeah, we'll taste it. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely okay. taste it. What okay. what's
1: the most fun experience that you've ever had in the kitchen?
2: most fun experience I've had in the kitchen was probably doing the gold party for Jay-Z and Beyonce last year. They do this uh, party for the Oscars every year. So I was, I was able to cook for it. And that was like really fun.
0: That is so cool. That's
2: amazing. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, uh, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, thank you for being so open uh, and honest about your your struggles um, and your roadblocks along the way that you've just driven through with passion and there are so many people that we know you're inspiring.
2: Uh, in, oh, thank you. In this world. I so appreciate thank you that. For that.
0: And we can't wait to welcome that. you to LA.
2: Yeah. I'll be there in a couple of days. You'll have to come over for dinner. Done, done and yeah, done. Yeah, can't <laughs> wait to
0: see your, your sleeve. That's going to be so cool. That's yeah. like going to be a, sick.
2: What are you doing? I'm doing uh, so two recipes. One is uh, a goosey stew, a goosey soup. It's a, it's a Nigerian dish. So it's like all the different ingredients. And then they usually make fufu, um, which is what we eat our stews with. It's like, um, like a cassava that's like pounded in this giant mortar and pestle. So I'm going to have this lady pounding it. And then on the other side, I'm going to get gumbo ingredients with like oh gumbo, a pot of gumbo over like a fire. And then I have like a train because I sold candy on the subway and then some other shit. But That but is yeah. the most
1: delicious sounding tattoo I've ever <laughs> heard of. <laughs> uh, I'll show you mine, you show me yours. <laughs> <laughs> Do y'all have any tattoos? No, no I don't. I, I'm
0: terrified of needles. So I, I could never, you gotta get I can, it. can't make up my mind.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think uh, we, I've thought about it over the years. My brothers and I have thought about it. Uh, you know, when we were younger too, we wanted to get something that was sort of talking about brotherhood and speaking about our bond. But, you know, maybe one day.
0: You know, if I got a food tattoo, I just thought of this. It would be um, durian. Oh, you love
1: durian. I oh, love durian. I don't
2: love her breath after durian. But, um. <laughs> I think durian is vile. Like <laughs> you're gonna say. That. Oh my god! I try it every time too. <laughs> every time I'm like, all right, this is the time. I'm, I'm gonna get through this, and I usually gag. It's the kick.
1: It has the kick afterwards and it smells terrible all the time and then it gives you <laughs> oh, this kick and she it's always so brings that So funky. But this is what Linda does. Okay, <laughs> I'm squirming thinking about it. Like Linda says, cuz her mom has all these ancient Chinese recipes that you know are great for healing and everything else and they're delicious. But Linda will always bring back and, she, and I'll be like, "Man, I'm a little low energy today." And she's like, "You probably need durian." No. Or, um, I'll be no. like, "Oh, I'm, my back's sort of aching a little
2: it bit." So you probably need durian. No, you need Advil. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> there exactly. are things for this. There are things. <laughs> oh I'm okay
0: with it because there's more for me in the end.
2: Linda, where's your family from?
0: From Vietnam. We're Chinese. Oh, that's where I had it. Vietnam. Oh, really? I, yeah. I've never been. I still have not been to Vietnam.
2: Oh my yeah. god. I went. I went by myself to Vietnam and I rented a motorcycle and drove through the countryside oh, cool. and I went to the um, what is it? The Mekong Delta. Yeah, and uh, to the floating markets and like yeah. slept in the jungle. It was uh-huh. like it's a great experience. But the best part about Vietnam,
0: the durian, nah,
2: there's, <laughs> mm, um, there's these fruit, there's fruit smoothie shacks. Yep. And like they just have fresh like jackfruit oh, and nice. you know mango and watermelon and passion fruit, and you just pick what fruit you want, and they make you like a blended fresh smoothie there, yeah. and it's so refreshing,
1: amazing. Yes. Uh, we look sure. forward to going. To go. Once we get yeah. back to being, travel and seeing people, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. do a trip. And Linda's mom is gonna come with us too, and hopefully your dad. And they'll kind of show us where they lived in in their villages and stuff. And eat all the food. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah.
2: Get yeah. so- yeah, beef and the latt leaves. Beef and lalut is the best.
0: Lalut.
1: Beef and lalut. Mm. All right. We will make a note. i ask mom about that. I think it's time for a cooking challenge. We are willing to potentially embarrass ourselves by trying to recreate one of your dishes. So can you send us one of your favorite
2: recipes? Okay. So do you want a novice, an intermediate, or an expert level dish? Um,
0: I mean, I'm always up for a challenge. I'm up Let's for a challenge. Let's do the challenge.
2: All, all right. right. I'm going to have you all make a vegan dish for me. Ooh.
0: It's, oh, it's, yes.
2: It's called Mushroom Forest. And it is an array of mushrooms made in different ways and textures, and pickles. And there's like a a msemen, a Moroccan flatbread, on the side that you eat it with. Um, So yeah, I have someone, I have my team send you the recipe, and we'll do that. Challenge accepted. And you're gonna wanna,
1: you have two new sous chefs. Once you see what we come up with, you're gonna love it. Thanks so much again. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Good luck with the move. All the best. Appreciate it. Take travels. Bye, man.
0: Ciao. I am so happy that Kwame shared his recipe Mm -hmm. Uh, and the recipe he shared is the most magical name or it has the most magical name.
1: Mushroom Forest. Mushroom
0: Forest. (laughs) It was actually a very popular dish um, at his restaurant, Kith and Kin, and we will attempt to make this, so be sure to check out our our youtube channel
1: challenge accepted thanks to Kwame for joining us i really love how he brings diverse voices to the table and Mm -hmm. he opens up conversations through our shared love of
0: food Mm -hmm. and sadly kith and kin actually closed in april 2020 sometime last year due to the pandemic um many restaurants had to um for the safety of the workers and a lot of people in the restaurant industry are still suffering and in need of support. So if you're able to, please donate or even just spread the word about um, Independent Restaurant Coalition.
1: So the Independent Restaurant Coalition was formed by chefs and independent restaurant owners across the country who have built grassroots movements to secure vital protections for the nation's 500,000 independent restaurants and more than 11 million restaurant workers impacted by the coronavirus pandemic.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll be sure to share that in our show notes and on social media.
1: Thanks to everyone for listening and thanks to all of our at-home homies. Our team, Brandon Angelino,
0: Anna Lee Bell,
1: Hannah Fan,
0: Courtney Ioannis,
1: Wes Friend,
0: Chris Cobain,
1: Jessica Bryant-Harvey,
0: and Nicole Schachter.
1: Our theme music is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson.
0: And music is composed and produced by Rick Russo.
1: Thanks for listening. Hit us up on social if you have a few seconds. Also, subscribe. We would love you to subscribe and rate if you love our podcast.
0: Yeah, we always want to hear from you. So, yeah, message us on at at home on social.
1: We'll see you guys next week. And by see, I mean here. We'll hear you. And see. You'll hear us. Yeah. Love you. One of those things.
0: Bye. Mm -hmm. Hey, we didn't say thank you to each other. Oh, by <gasps> the way, hey, guess what? Linda. Love you.
1: I'm still on the line. You. It's like you hung up, but I'm still here. Love you.
0: No, you hung up and I was still here.
1: No, I hanged up now. You- Wait, that was, that, <laughs> that was good, really good English.
0: I'm going to hang up now. No, you hang up.